Hello, everybody, and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. My name is Adam Homey. I'm your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to join us today. As the name says, our listeners are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs, small business owners, local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches. We have folks who help others build their businesses, and we have the do-it-yourselfers who like to have your own hands on the levers as you run your business. If you are one or more of the above, please take a moment, explore episodes, and discover how we can help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, check us out on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show or check the big icon in the right-hand column of our website. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated. It helps us help more business creators just like you. And be sure to subscribe. Over 115 episodes already posted. Fresh content added every single week. Today, what we are going to talk about is something that hits home for a lot of entrepreneurs. And I'm particularly excited about this topic because I don't know what it is, whether it's just something in the economy, something in the way the world's going right now, but I'm noticing that a lot of people are just really struggling in business. And actually, I don't necessarily mean struggling financially. Sometimes the struggle is things are going so well or they're getting so much of something that the entrepreneur finds themselves overwhelmed. They find themselves wondering if they really want to be in this business. They're discouraged because so much is going on. That's one of the common threads that I see right now. And I think that what we have going on is an issue with resiliency. And that is why today I am so honored to have with us as our guest on the Business Creators Radio Show, um, none other than Zaheen Nanji. This is going to be a very pow- powerful interview today because uh, we're going to be talking about things like the the. Uh, I'm already so excited. I'm already losing my uh, losing my trail here. The resilience reflex. So I want to tell you just a little bit about Zaheen before we dive into this. Uh, Zaheen Nanji. Uh, is a resilience champion, speaker, and owner of a wellness center. And she's been able to overcome many struggles throughout her life. She bounced back from not being able to speak because of her speech impediment, which is something I can relate to. I wasn't able to speak until I was almost four years old due to a hearing impediment. And she also moved halfway around the world without her parents at the age of 15. Yet she managed and she completed her education in nutrition and food science and environmental health. And in the past five years, Zaheen has created a successful health and wellness business, and her center was nominated for Business of the Year in 2014. Her first book, Attract Your Your Ideal Weight, was featured in Women's Business Owners Today. And given everything that I see going on with so many of my entrepreneur friends these days, I was really attracted to Zaheen's message because of her new book, The Resilience Reflex, which not only provides eight keys to overcoming barriers, but also outlines Zaheen's three-step signature system. When you read this book, it will inspire you to find solutions to your most pressing personal and professional challenges. The book includes some inspiring success stories and self-assessment questions that help the reader discover their limiting patterns and how they can change them. Uh, You can learn more about Zaheen at her website, ZaheenNanji.com, which is posted on her profile at the Business Creators Radio Show website. Zaheen, welcome aboard. Hey, Adam. How's it going? 
couldn't be better, and I'm so happy to have you here today. Now, Thank I'm you just, for having me. You bet. You bet. Thank you for being here. I've just uh, read off your official biography, which is very impressive. But what I'd like to do, and I do this with all of our guests, is I just sort of like to take a step back before we dive into the main content of what we're going to cover today. And just give our listeners who haven't really had a chance to get to know you yet a sense of where you're coming from in terms of just tell us a little bit more about your story and what has driven you to where you are today. Sure, sure. So as you mentioned that I came to Canada at at the age of 15 without my parents and I moved from East Africa, right. Kenya. And at that time the reason that I moved here was because at that time a lot of a lot of indi- individuals and families were coming to Canada in the late 80s, early 90s. Right. And my sister, who was then 20, uh, really wanted to come here. So uh, because of her, we all applied, and lo and behold, we got through. <laughs> <laughs> but we were a family of eight, and at that time, we couldn't afford eight airline tickets. They, it, it was expensive. Right. And it still is. <laughs> and so uh, my mom at that time, you know, said, well, this is like winning a lottery. You guys have to go there, do something with your life, have an education. So she sent the three girls. And I'm the only one here. Everyone else has gone back. <laughs> right. And so this is where it started. But not only that, I uh, stuttered since the age of five. And so imagine coming to a place where I don't know anyone, I don't have any friends. Well, I know some, uh, like I had my aunt here, but that was about it. And we we just had to get, you know, used to the shock of the weather, you know, going from plus 30 Celsius, which which is what we say here in Canada, uh, to, to minus 30 Celsius. And I'm not sure what that is in the States, but I'm sure you can imagine it's pretty cold. Right. Yeah, that would be very cold. And all that uh, just, you know, made me more stronger, overcoming obstacles, and just having no choice but to do it. And that's what I find is the difference, you know, with a lot of people who know they have no choice but to get it done, and those who have a choice and then make the wrong one. Right. And I would like to congratulate you on your journey. I have heard many stories like that. I have friends of mine who have come from other parts of the world who have gone undergone journeys in some ways very similar to yours. I've had people who I know personally who found themselves in situations and maybe some ways worse. I really don't know the details of what moved you from East Africa to Canada, but I know people that have come from wars and revolutions and have gone through insurmountable odds to bring themselves to a better life. And I'm that's another reason you resonate with me, Zaheen, is because you have so much to offer us in the way of resilience. 
Now, there is a question that I ask everybody who comes on the Business Creators Radio Show, and you will be absolutely no exception uh, because we have to be we have to be fair to everybody here. And this is a yes. question you may you may hear this at first, and you may think, especially since we're talking about resilience in the human spirit, why the heck is Adam asking me this question? Well, the short answer is because everybody has to answer it, <laughs> and because our okay. guests love when I ask his question. So here we go. Here in the Business Creators Radio Show. We provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. And a lot of our listeners tell me they have everything they need to implement anything that anybody on Business Creators Radio Show says they need to do, except for time and money. This is the question we ask everybody who appears on our show. And what I like is not only the variety of different answers, but also the variety of different ways the question is interpreted. So, Zaheen, how do time and money impact what you're going to share with us today? That's a great question. How does time and money impact us today? Yes. Well, let me start with uh, you know time. And if I were to give you a formula, T equals C square. <laughs> All right. And, and T stands for time, and C square. Honestly, C is two C's: consistency and commitment. Right. Without both of them, you will always be struggling with the word time. And in my book, I say that um, you need both of those in your calendar. You have to first be committed to what you're doing. If you're not committed, then the other one is not going to follow through. Right. Right, and if you don't have your planning done, then there is no commitment coming through. So you need T equals C square. Right. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. Um, I was never one for math, but I can follow. Yeah, <laughs> and especially when it comes to money, honestly, it's all about the leaks in the business. Yeah. Uh, if you know how to look at the foundation of 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 what you have and what you offer and the leaks that you're having, if you can go through the leaks and actually fix them, then that's how you save money. But if you keep on doing it over and over and over again and not going back to the mistakes that you've like you know, made or to the leaks that you have, then you'll never be successful either. Right, and this, these are all great insights and. Yeah, as everybody can see, I ask this question of every single one of our guests, even when people are wondering, why would he ask about time and money? It's because mm. we get such a variety of different ways the question is interpreted. This is the first time ever somebody's ever answered the time thing with a mathematical equation. So uh, congratulations on that. You're a trendsetter. I'm just so logical, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Great. All right. Well, let's dive in here. What is the resilience reflex? And are some of us born resilient? That's a great question, Adam. And so if we take the two words, resilience, reflex, we want to just start with the first word. Resilience is an inner strength that helps you bounce back from stressful situations. So inner strength. And if you take the second word, reflex, it's the unconscious practice of developing that inner strength. 
So if you take the two together now, what I'm trying to say in my book is that to build that inner strength, you need to practice developing it by changing your thought patterns, by changing the way you do things and the habits. Only by doing that will you build that inner strength. But it comes with practice. It's like going to the gym. You're not going to build your muscles in two weeks, three weeks. It takes long. But that is what? The two C's again, right? Right. Commitment and consistency and practice. Right. And uh, thank you very much for sharing that. And I think that we find it, uh, I mean, when we uh, go to the gym, I, you know when I take off from the gym usually? Uh, the first two weeks of January. Because that is when you're going to find a total lack of resilience. That's where you find all the sputtering out New Year's resolutions. So all you have to do is wait until <laughs> about the 15th, and then you'll have a place to park again. You'll be able to use the machines again. The track won't be crowded again. You'll be able to get the free weights again. It'll be great. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes. Now, inside your book, you have chapters on fear and embracing fear. And in these chapters, you tell us about avoidance behaviors and especially specifically using the story of your own speech impediment and the challenges that came along with that. And you know, you know, I have a little bit of an issue, too. I sometimes have a hard time pronouncing the word specifically. I actually got it right this time, but I usually trip on it for some reason. But you also mentioned how you decided to stop avoiding and start taking action after you had an open conversation with your speech therapist. Now, this sounds very intriguing to me. So if you could tell us a little bit more about that, because I'm thinking you're going to have lots of conversations with your speech therapist, but what do you mean by an open conversation? How is that going to change things? Right. And I think for me, you know, um, with the open conversation that I had, it was just an aha, aha moment for me. So this is what happened. All the time that I had been here, that I had moved from East Africa, I had learned how to avoid things that would make me stutter more. So, for example, speaking to a group, answering questions in the classroom, uh, you know, just anything that would make me speak right. in front of a class. But if I could talk, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, I think I was okay with that. But even going to the mall and just asking for a combo of some kind of, you know, burger or something, I couldn't even do that either. I couldn't speak right. on the phone, uh, just, just on and on. It would just be something that I would avoid all the time. And I was pretty good at doing that until I got to university. And the first two years, Adam, is crazy because it's huge classes. No one knows anyone else. But in my third and fourth year, we were smaller and smaller classes. We had to do a lot of work in groups, and then we have to do what? Come up in front of the class and talk about the projects. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't do. Yeah. And at that time, I thought, well, I can't do this. And if I don't do it, I'm going to fail. And if I fail, guess what? I'm out of, out of the whole system and out of a degree. And I thought, I couldn't do that. Uh, so I went to a place on campus, which I didn't even know about until then, called ISTAR, which is the Institute of Stuttering 
Treatment and Research. So I-S-T-A-R, I-STAR. Right. And I phoned them up and I said, hey, um, I, I stutter, and I've been really good at hiding it up until now. I need help. And I went in there, and they asked me to join them for three weeks so that I could learn how to speak more clearly and fluently, which I did, which I learned. But then after three weeks, we were sent out again into our environment. And it's like anything else, right? We learn something, like we go to a course and we learn something, but do we implement it? Uh, I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> that's, that's a different story. Um, learning and implementation are a couple different things. We know this. Yeah. And so I didn't do that either. I, I didn't take what I had learned to be more fluent with out into my environment. So I went back again to my default behaviors, which was avoiding again, not being able to talk on the phone. So I went back after two or three weeks, and I spoke to my speech path, and I said, hey, uh, I thought this was going to be a cure. I thought I would be able to speak fluently. I cannot do this. What is going on? And she looked at me, and she said, are you implementing the skills that we asked you to? Do you have the tape that you listen to every day? So I, so in those days, we had a tape that we had to put in into the cassette player. Yeah, and play I remember it, that. Right? <laughs> and I said, no. And so this is what she said to me, and that's when I had the aha. And she said, Zaheen, you have a choice and a decision to either stay where you are or use the skills that we gave you and practice and practice until you feel comfortable. Face your fear now. That's the only two sentences that she said to me. And at first, I was in a daze. So I walked out, and I, and I really remember this so clearly I walked out of I-Star. It was a nice, hot summer's day, and I'm looking deep into the grass, and something just happened. I don't know what it was, but I looked up at the sky, and then I looked up into, into, into space, and I said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to face my fear from now on. And that's what it was. That's fantastic, and you know what's unfortunate is that some of our educational systems, some of our social systems, don't really address fear, or we get too much no, you know pressure out there that fear is something that you can just will your way through uh, without taking the time to have open conversations and the time to look at what's really going on. Uh, one of my personal fears, which is something I don't think I'll ever overcome, is trypanophobia, which is a fear of hypodermic needles. And oh. I know, yeah, I know the reasons uh, from having done a number of hip, hip, hypnotherapy type things and EFT and tapping and what have you to find out what happened that caused that. So I know the reasons why, and I'm not going to take the time on your interview to share that, but I bring it up only because I was told for all these years, well, come on, it's just a little needle. It can't hurt you or, or stop being such a sissy. Be a man. Like, mm. I am a man. I don't know why I pass out when somebody wants to stick a needle in me. But mm. I took the time to find out why and develop mechanisms where if I 
have to be in a situation where I have to receive an injection or have blood drawn or something like that, I have mechanisms for going through it. Now, I may go into a doctor's office and their staff may find that my requirements for this are kind of annoying. And if they don't like it, I'll find another doctor. But that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. It's not a matter of, you know, just powering through it. But, you know, it's a matter of looking and finding what was going on, much as you did. Now, the first yeah. key Now, the first key in your book is about emotional resilience. And I think this is a great transition now. And you provide yeah. us with a formula for emotional resilience, because I think this is very important for us when it comes to both our businesses and our lives. Yes. And again, I am, you know, just going to dive into math again here, <laughs> because it. it's a formula, right? <laughs> Okay, so for the listeners out there, it is ER, which stands for Emotional Resilience, equals SI plus EI plus EM. So I'm going right. to go through the three of them, okay? Yes. So, so SI is how to use your senses and to use the intelligence behind them. So sensory intelligence. Okay. okay? Basically, that means to become aware of how you're thinking, not what you're thinking, but how you're thinking. So, for example, when I stuttered and I would have to speak in front of the class or the group or even at my workplace, I mean, I had trouble speaking when we had staff meetings. Right. Okay? And... It was how I was thinking. I was, you know, making images of myself stuttering away and blocking on words and not being able to to speak. And if you have seen The King's Speech, the movie? I have. Yeah, so you can imagine how how he's feeling when he's, you know, going on the mic because he's blocking, he's sputtering and he can't speak. Right. And I would have the same kind of images. And then I would have the self-talk, which is, again, a sense that we have, where I'm not good enough. I'm not able to talk properly. What are people going to think of me? People think I'm dumb, you know, things like that. Of course. And then, of course, the feeling would come up because I'm having images of that and I'm saying those kinds of things. And I'm also feeling fearful and I'm feeling incapable. So you ha- we... We first have to notice how we think, because once we get this on, we will be able to change that after. Then the next part of the, of of the like, like a formula there is emotional in, intent uh, or or EI, and that's just to acknowledge that you feel this way, or I felt this way because I was embarrassed or I didn't want to be embarrassed. I didn't want to be the joke of the class or the group or the staff meeting. Of course. Okay? So I just had to acknowledge that, okay, fear is there for a reason. It's helping me stay safe. Yes. Okay? And then the last part of the formula is emotional management, and that, again, is key. Emotional management is to just to notice that, yeah, you are having images like this, you're having the self-talk, and it's there for a reason. But now step out of that and objectively look at that and ask yourself, what do I want? How am I going to manage this? What can I do to help me here right now? How can I change my 
images and, and myself talk. That's management. By doing that, you're actually dominating the fear that you have inside of you instead of it controlling you, basically. Yeah, that's really good. And I appreciate you walking us through that. See, you and I in some ways are opposites. You're so analytical and mathematical, I could never pass algebra. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I I think I I find that when when I learn a certain way and it's kind of logical, it makes sense to me. But if you give me a book that's all about like woo woo stuff, you know, and I and 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 it's no kind of disrespect to you know anyone, but I don't get that. Right. And so if it's explained to me in a way, oh, okay, this is how it's done. I I just you know get it. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I, I uh, can handle a lot of different types of logic, but uh, I just was never any good with mathematics, and it wasn't for lack of trying. Certainly, it was you know, the opposite of that, actually. So uh, what I'd like to get into now is something that I do understand without having to get a tutor, which is the idea of reframing. And one of the things you've written about, which really grabs me, is about reframing our problems or challenges. Uh, not exactly a new concept, but why don't we reframe our our problems and challenges? First of all, define what that means, and then tell us why we don't do it. Okay, so reframing is, you know, basically trying to change the context of the meaning that we that we're actually forming. Um, so, for example, if if you know someone were to walk down the street and right. they give you a look, right? And the look isn't bad or anything, but they just look at you. Now, we, as human beings, we're, we're always kind of thinking out and making meanings out of everything. Right. So I may make a meaning like, why is she looking at me this way? Or why is he looking at me this way? Right. Am I not dressed properly? Or do I, you know, you know, whereas, you know, someone else may just say, oh, I wonder if she looked at me because she liked my purse kind of thing, right? Right. So so we make these you know, kinds of meanings in everyday situations as well, even in your business, right? So, for example, when you started the show, you say that there's a lot of things going on right now. You know, you may be making too much money or you may not be making enough money or you are not able to handle it, right? Right. Because there's so much going on. Well, I'm in a province in Canada where it's oil country. And as you know, right now, oil is at the lowest price it's been since the 80s. Yes. Which which means a lot of people are losing their jobs and they're scared. Right. So now, if we were to say that, oh, my God, that the economy is so bad that it's just going to get worse and worse and worse, or, you know, people are not you know, going to get jobs, and all the people that work in the oil fields now will be out of jobs and they won't have money and they'll go in, you know. And we can go on and on like that and feel stuck in the emotion and not be able to find any solution. And that's the problem we have with a lot of individuals who, even in business, we get stuck in the emotion because we think, oh, no, or oh, my God, or what hit the fan, right? Yes. <laughs> 
But if we reframe that, if we go back to the example of the oil field people, and we reframe that and say, well, you know what? What if they saved all the money that they made in the oil fields? Now they have the opportunity to open up their dream business that they always wanted to open up. Yeah. What if we reframed it like that? That now is the time for them, for like them to do something that they always wanted to do. Right. So you see how if we reframe a problem that way, it just changes the whole context of it. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I learned many years ago, and this was taught to me by one of my mentors, and it, I mean, it, this may sound like a very simple phrase, but you use the phrase very carefully, and it allows you to break free of the things that have been holding you back up until now. In fact, that's part of the phrase. So let's say, for instance, um, uh, uh, let's say somebody had difficulty uh, – Let's just say it's a, it's a guy, and he has a hard time meeting women, right? He, but he, he'd like to have a girlfriend. He'd like to go out on dates. He'd like to, you know, he'd like to be a ladies' man. Maybe he'd like to eventually find a wife, a girlfriend, something like that. But he's have this challenge where he just gets in the whole hum and a hum and a hum and a hum and a hum and in the case of a in the presence of a pretty woman, and he just can't even bring himself to say hello. Now, in many cases, this is reinforced by. Uh, societal programming, what we see on television and see in the movies, and maybe a couple bad experiences where he did attempt to get his results with women and got laughed at publicly, which is something that happens to pretty much every guy. I mean, it's, it's not exactly new. But when you have the cumulative effect of all these things happening in the past, it can really weigh the guy down. And it's not so much his inability to walk up to that woman and start a conversation. It's his inability to break through what's holding him back inside. So a phrase to use is, up until now, it has been the case that approach anxiety has stopped me from being able to approach women. But starting now, I claim my choice and my results and my ability to meet and interact with women I find attractive and interesting. So it's the up until now. So you're saying, yeah, up until now, right this moment, it has been the case. That is a true statement. I'm not passing judgment on it. I'm not saying anything about it. I'm saying, yes, this happened. Period. It happened. But now I draw the line. I claim my choice, which means I'm making a new decision. I'm putting a new frame around it. I'm looking at things differently. I'm implementing new strategies where I'm breaking off from what happened up until now, and I'm moving forward in a new direction. It's going to move me towards the results that I want. Yes, that's a great idea. Apply that to any situation. Up until now, it has been the case that I have really struggled when it comes to writing emails to send to my list. Up until now, it has been the case that I've struggled going to networking events because I go into spasms of fear, even being within 10 feet of somebody I could potentially network with. Up until now, it has been the case that I have not invested myself by joining a mastermind because I have been held back by a scarcity mindset. And you claim a different choice and you move forward. Yes. That is great, up until now. Yeah. I love it. Up until now. <laughs> up until now. And you're not passing judgment on what happened up until now. You're just acknowledging it, allowing it to exist, sitting with it, living with it, saying, yes, up until now it has been the case. Nobody can argue with that because it, it happened. Yeah. But now you're just going to do something different. <laughs> just putting a reframe around it. Uh, 
Now, what I have found very interesting about your research, Zaheem, is you find that the resilience individuals have a blueprint for taking action. So you're talking yeah. about math. I'm talking about uh, NLP. So give us a blueprint. Okay. Uh, so that's right. There, there has been some kind of steps that they all seem to take at the same time. And uh, so the four steps, now in, in my book I have three, but on, on this show I'm going to give you four. <laughs> and the first one is that they know their why. So, for example, uh, when if you want to write a book like, like I did, uh, it's so overwhelming, right? Like where do I start? What, what do I do? But if I have my why and that is so deep, that is in front of me, that I want to write my book because I want to share my message and help others, because I want to make a difference. That is the first step, is knowing your why. Same yes. thing is if you want to improve your health. What is your why, right? Yes. The second step is you want to actually go into the image that you're making of the action that you want to take and just run it through until the end. So it's just like a movie that you see yourself, you know, going through the action. So if it was me, you know, with my book and going on my computer and typing it and seeing the end result, which is a book in my hand. And I would actually make a movie of that in my head and see the end result. And so when I see that end result, I would then check in with my self-talk which is the third step. And the self-talk is, okay, I have my book and it feels good. So how do I work backwards now and start with the first chapter? Right. Or it could be, okay, I see myself, you know, being so healthy and lean and fit. Now how do I work backwards and start with the first thing that I can do to improve my health? Okay. Yes. So that, so you have to know your why. You have to make a movie until you see the end result. Check in with your self-talk and make sure it is what you want it to be, and it's actually positive. And then the feeling that you get from it, is it a good feeling? And you feel empowered and energized to go do it. And then the last step is the gut check. And the gut check is so important because it lets you know that you're aligned with your action that you want to take. Right. So there were only three, but you gave me four. Boy, am I honored. What did I, <laughs> what did I ever do to deserve this so I can do more of it? Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Now, now we're just a little over halfway through both, the, uh, both our time together and what you're going to share with us. And, uh, you know, you've given us resilience, you've given us blueprints, you've given us mathematics uh, that I actually understood, which is a first, because how many teachers and tutors could not do that for me? It's you know, Just on this math thing, um, uh, I was classified as gifted when I was in school. I took uh -huh. so many advanced place I took so many advanced placement courses in secondary school that when I arrived at college I had a whole semester under my belt already. These were courses wow. things like uh American government, um English literature, uh those types of things, uh, topics that really make make me passionate, but I couldn't 
get through a math course without getting multiple deficiency reports and having paid tutors and everything else and still couldn't get through it. There, in this case, there was no up until up until now. It has been the case. I couldn't find the results. I still, I, 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 I mean, you know, the only the only algebra I know is, uh, you know, there's no reason trying to solve things with your ex because who knows why. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. <laughs> right, uh, and it was very difficult for me going through all this because really, I didn't, I didn't really care much about mathematics. It's like, why do they keep sticking these general education courses on me? I'm not going to be a scientist. I'm not going to be a doctor. I'm not going to be an accountant. I'm not going to be a statistician because these things don't even interest me enough for me to try. Meanwhile, I have other topics that I excel at where I can ace a course, an advanced course, without even studying or opening a book. So maybe that's where I really need to focus my energy and what I'm good at. But the pushback is, oh, well, that advanced stuff doesn't matter. You, maybe you should stop taking all those advanced courses so you can finally get a handle around this mathematics stuff now. Really you know, I, go ahead. I, I, I was just going to say that uh, it's, it's also in the style of learning. So everyone is just going to learn differently, right? Like right. my daughter is so visual uh, that – she will learn by doing or by watching a video, and same with my husband. That's how he learns. Right. You know, whereas I am going to learn through if I first have to read the instructions, and then I can watch a video, or I don't have to, and then follow the instructions and then get it done. But that's how I am. Okay. So it's all a different way of how how we take the learning and how how we learn. Uh, so, so with you, you know, math being a you know tougher like a subject, you know, compared to you say dance with it. Right, dance with it. Okay. So then, uh, I I think it's just another way of learning, and with um, I'm not sure if I said this before, but I did a lot of NLP. Right. Which stands for neuro neurolinguistic programming. Programming, yeah. Of yeah. And they do a lot in there where they actually show you how, you know, different people learn and communicate. And that is also in my book in one of the, like, you know, chapters. But uh, just, just so you know that, uh, that they did a research on students who excelled really well in school and those who didn't. And with the ones who did and who learned really quickly, they found that they make images in their head and they make movies. So, for example, if they have to learn about the cell and how it, you know, divides and multiplies and so on and on, they would make movies in their head about cells <laughs> dividing and multiplying and doing all this kind of stuff, and it's really neat. Right. Oh. So, so, anyway, so basically, just, basically what it is, is it's kind of like a visioning exercise as well where you yeah. go back to all the things you failed at, and instead you substitute a vision where you succeeded. Yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. I, yeah, I've, I've done that with some things, and it can be helpful in some ways, but I'm at a point in my life where I know I'm not going to be a mathematician, a statistician, an accountant, a scientist, or an astro or, and, uh, or a meteorologist, so I'm okay. Yes, I'm, you're okay. I, I got my calculator. I'm good to go. <laughs> right. So uh, what, it, what really comes down 
when it, we talk about a lot of things, it's having a positive attitude. Uh, but you want me to ping you to tell us what exactly positive attitude really is. Yes, you know, we always keep hearing, right, have a positive attitude, have a positive attitude. And I and I struggled with that because, again, I'm such a logical person. <laughs> right. Uh, I want to know what that means, right, and why are some people so positive and can get things done uh, or even not get things done, and why are some people just always angry and upset? Yeah, you know, life happens, but what? why are they stuck in that? Um, or, or you'll get... You know, maybe people at work, like some coworkers who are just not, right. cannot, like, you know, mix with other people in the in the staff room or 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 anything like that. So what what is the difference? And after doing the research, I found these uh, four traits that you'll find in an individual who has a positive attitude. So when I explain these to you, it would help to keep in mind, you know, someone you know who always has a positive attitude and, you know, someone who you know that has a negative attitude most of the time, okay? And then notice the difference as I go through the four things that I found. So so the first one is that they embrace change. So if right. you notice, the person who is always, you know, positive will want to learn about the changes coming in, you know, whether it's at work or, you know, whether it's with a new, uh, you know, thing on the computer or a new app or a new smartphone. They will never say, oh, you know, but they'll say, oh, something new. Let's see what we can do, right? Whereas someone who is most of the time, you know, negative and there is, you know, something new coming in at work, they will say things like, there's always, you know, changes happening, and they're never going to let go of the changes. Now, I have to learn this new technology or this new software program and on and on, right? And right. They, they try to resist it. Uh, the second trait that I found was a sense of humor. So, again, you know, people who are very positive will tend to laugh it off, uh, not in a bad way, but in a way that, you know what, this this can be dealt with kind of laugh it off, right? Right. You know, whereas the person who's negative, again, will 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 have a difficult time, you know, laughing it off. Yes. In fact, they they may not even find the humor in it. Right. Uh, the third trait is to be very flexible. And again, by that I mean... There are some people who tend to be negative and quite stubborn and rigid, and that's why they don't like change, of course. But they also don't want to see another point of view. They just want to see their point of view, whereas the person with the positive attitude will will actually listen to the point of views and will come up with their own kind of decision and may even take everyone else's you know, decision right? Yes. And then the fourth trait I found is optimism. And by that, I don't mean that, oh, uh, there are no thorns anywhere. You know, life is full of, you know, roses. That's not like, you know, what I mean by that. But I mean that they're also realistic optimism. 
So if you take examples of uh, the war camps that we had in the past, in you know Second World War and stuff, there's so much research out there about the people who survived, and that's because of this fourth trait that they had realistic optimism, where they didn't complain every day about am I am I going to die today, but right. they said how am I going to live today? How am I going to survive another day? Right. So those are the traits, and that's where you find them in an attitude that is very positive. Well, you find a lot of the survivors of the various concentration camps of the various totalitarian movements of the 20th and the 21st centuries find their way through it by visioning what life is going to be after they get out. Yeah. So, so if they were, so let's say, for instance, they were, uh, a, a, they were a conductor, like a mu- like a music conductor. Before they went into camp, they visioned themselves being in front of a concert hall again. If they were somebody who liked to write, they imagined themselves at their book signing. So those types of things, uh, they just you know created the vision of the future and they hung on to that. Yes. And there, and there's that a lot. Yeah, and there's a lot. And there's a lot to be said. Uh, you know, some of the people who you know you know leave concentration camps and such aside, but just think of people who end up in prison. And some of the more resilient people who come out of prison and do well afterwards will do one of two things. Number one, they'll spend their time inside prison preparing for what life's going to be like on the outside. They're going to start educating themselves. They're going to start looking towards the future. They're going to start making plans for when they're paroled or when their sentence is up. Uh, Another thing they do is they well, basically, they clonk out a lot because, uh, you know, if you sleep eight hours a day and you certainly have eight hours a day to sleep during lights out, that's a 30-year sentence gone right there mm. where you can travel to another world. Yes. And within your dreams, you can find all kinds of discoveries. Yes. And I would highly recommend the listeners to watch these two movies. And I'm sure that you've also seen them, Adam. And it's The Shawshank Redemption. Yep. Yeah, and if you if you notice in that movie, he's all all always saying the word hope, and it, even at the end, he'll say that there is hope, and that's because he's always looking into the future, finding a way out. Yes. And then the other movie, I don't know if you've seen it, but um, it's the story of the athlete Louis Zamperini. Yep. The movie is unbroken. Yep. And again, you know, like it just shows that he could take so much, but when he was at at sea for 47 days, he was the only one who thought about food, who thought about water, who thought about surviving. Right. And then after he went to camp, uh, he, again, he just, you know, thought about how can I survive the day? How can I, what can I do the next day? And honestly, that, uh, those two movies are so inspiring. Right. Yeah. And uh, these are the types of movies that I prefer to watch. I've seen the Shawshank Redemption, I don't know, what, 30, 40 times in my life. And, yeah. and, and we find out at the very end, the guy's been planning, the guy's been planning his end game almost since the day he got in there. Yes. I mean, yes, he, he, wasn't, right. he, wasn't, he wasn't letting those walls hold him back. I mean, how long did it take him to dig that hole using a spoon? 
Yeah, I can't remember, but it took him a long time. But and that's another thing is patience. Wow. Well, you know, he well, he was a young guy doing life. He had time. That's true. <laughs> yeah, and 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 he and he took his and he took his skills that he went in with his his brilliance when it comes to managing money, and he applied that to what life was going to be like on the outside. So while the warden was uh, ripping off the prison and ripping off local contractors and everybody else through the bribery schemes, he was in turn ripping off the warden. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, but but other than you know, but you know, rather than a lot of people, he probably encountered on a day-to-day basis who wallowed in negativity and you know, how can I, you know, and you know, how and how am I going to deal with this? And this really sucks. So why don't I go beat up on somebody? This guy's just, you know, thinking, eh, one of these days I'm going to build my boat. Yeah. I'll yeah. show them all. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. So we have about uh, we have about 10 minutes left here, and uh, that gives us uh, still a little bit of time here. And uh, you know, we're, I think we're having a great uh, we're having a great time together here. I'm really loving what we're covering, and I think this is something that's going to be very helpful for our audience. And uh, one more thing that I want to ask you here is it's about one of the keys to resiliency, and it's all about relationship skills, and you even give it an acronym, uh, kind of an ironic acronym, LIMP, L-I-M-P. <laughs> so what does that stand for, and what does that have to do with building resilience? So yes, since we're talking about business, I guess we might want to think about client attraction and retention. Yes, and that is so important. And as you mentioned, too, that we have a wellness center. So that is something that we're always looking at the the way we attract, the way we retain, the way we sell, the way we talk. It's, it's all a part of LIMP. And LIMP, L-I-M-P, stands for L is for listen, I is for intention, M is for match and mirror, and P in my book actually for perspective but i would like to change that to to pace and lead so maybe in my next and so in in the if 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 you look at limp when it comes to business i think it's very important first to listen to your client or to your customer even if you are building a course that you want to sell online, which is what I'm doing today, um, you want to listen to what your customers want. And uh, if, you, if you just ask them, how can I help, or what is the challenge that you have at the moment, and they will tell you their whole life story, and all you have to do is just pick the things that will that you can help them with in your business. And I also go through how you need to understand their style of communication. So, Adam, you'll agree with me that there are some people who are, again, visual. And how you know that is that they will look up to the ceiling or to the sky and speak to you. They're not going to look into your eyes all the time or look down, okay? Okay. When you talk to people like that, you want to use words that are visual. I can see that. Uh, Or I can focus on that. So those are all kind of visual words. If the person is detailed and likes to give you a long story, 
they are auditory people. And with them, you want to use, you know, words like, I can hear that quite well, or I can, that, you know, rings a bell to me. You know, things like that that will make sound, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, if they are kinesthetic, they will look down and talk because they're, they are actually trying to access their feelings. So when they look down and talk, the you know, kinds of words they will say are, are, I feel like this or I feel like that. Uh, and so you have to catch on those, those kinds of words and speak back in their style. So that's listen. And then in, intent is to really understand what they're saying is what they're saying. So for example, if a client or a customer is really upset at the service that they got or at the product that they bought, really try to understand why they are so upset. Is it and just ask them what what was about the service that you're upset about? And again, then listen in their style and talk back in their style. Same with the product. And I find that when you understand their intention, so it, so it could be that um, that they thought that they would get this free, you know, bonus gift if they were to get this package or get this course from you or get this, you know, service from you, but they didn't get it. Then you go, oh, okay. So the so the intention there is that you did not value the integrity that you offered to them, which was the bonus. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. Yeah. And then, you know, match and mirror is especially you can do this on the phone. You can even do this if they walk into your store. So with the wellness center, when they walk in, like you want to match and mirror. Like, you know, someone comes in friendly. You want to be friendly, of course. You know, someone comes in kind of quiet and aloof. Then you want to leave them that way until they start to warm up to you. You want to look at the tone of, like, you know, voice. If it's quiet, you stay quiet. If it's loud, then you go loud, right, because you want to match and mirror. Uh, and if, however, again, you know, someone comes in with a conflict and they're with a loud voice and they're angry and upset, then your job is not to match and mirror that as the owner of the business, but it's to do the opposite. It's to lead and to pace. What that means is that you want to tone down your voice. You want to breathe so that when, as you do that, they they match you. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And the last one, P4, perspective, is to show genuine interest to what's important to the other you know, person. So, for example, when a client comes in and and you have a product, or if it's even on on your store that is not that is on the website, right? Um, and they have all these kind of questions. You always want to ask, well, what's important to you? So, for example, say if they come into the wellness center that I have and they're, you know, looking at some skincare, right? I am not going to go to the most the you know one that's so expensive or to the one that's you know least expensive i wouldn't even go towards the sales you know part of it i'll just say what is important to you is it that you want to have some good soft skin that's full of you know moisture or you want to get 
your you know wrinkles gone right because then it depends how how they answer is what I will give them and once I understand that then I know their why it's not about my why about making sales it's about their why and if I understand them they will buy from me and come back again yes so that's limp for you okay uh not very limp at all very strong actually <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, I, I I like it, and uh, and I love how you speak in terms of analogies, and and I'm, I'm actually starting to get my hands around some of this mathematical stuff. So we're actually at the top of the hour. We're just about out of time here. So first of all, Zaheem Nanji, I want to thank you so much for coming to spend time with us today, and for just. Uh, one minute, let me turn over the floor to you. I know we have some people who may be on the edge of their seat looking to take this to the next level. So just let our audience know how you can help and where they can go from here. For sure. First of all, thank you, Adam, for having me on your show. And uh, for the listeners, they can go on my website, zahinnanji.com, which right. you will have in the show notes. And on there, I have a lot of I, – I do a lot of uh, speaking engagements – but I'm also coming up with an online course on how to be more productive in life, and that will be coming next year. So they can have a look in there when it's done. Great. And I'll remind everybody that uh, all of our guest experts here at Business Creators Radio Show have their own profiles on our website where they have their links and their social media, and every way you can engage with them. So I encourage everybody to check that out. Again, Zaheen, it's been an honor, and it's been an education. Thank you so much, Adam. All right. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homey. I'm host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and also on iTunes, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing.